0: Let us pray. Oh God, look with compassion on the whole human family. Take away the arrogance and hatred which infect our hearts. Break down the walls that separate us, unite us in bonds of love. And work through our struggle and confusion to accomplish your purposes on earth. That in your good time, all nations and races may serve you in harmony. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. And happy New Year. Happy New Year. It's okay. I mean, 2019 is still new. We can still say Happy New Year. A number of you have not seen for a while, so I get to extend that greeting. And yesterday, you know what yesterday was? The Chinese New Year. Yes. So, um, And it is the year of the boar. So, how interesting. I open with this greeting for us to go into our minds and into our hearts as we look at this talented, bright, Wonderful woman in a bit. We know that in cycles of annual year change, you know, our our minds and our hearts pull for some unknown newness. For a newness, an aware, a look for the aha moments, better known as Epiphanies. That that's what happens. It's the new year, it's it's new, it's a new cycle. Got to be something there. And we think that the new year has the answers. And we seek the voices to direct us. And we are seeking those voices in how to relate or in relationship for an awareness of humanity's needs. Humanity's needs. So, new year. New voices, not. The new year reminds us that there are voices of the past with their stories and their messages. These are the voices to remind us, as the gospel says, by way of the prophet Isaiah, we are responsible with God's help To offer release to the captives, recovery of the sight of the blind, and to let the oppressed go free. We are here in February, Black History Month. Some places it's called Black Heritage Month. But for me, the culture and consciousness of this month really starts with the MLK Day in January. Not only is it a day to remember Dr. King, but it has evolved into a community, civic, service type of day, an awareness, an awareness to put us into what we may be seeking. And, of course, we get to hear his iconic words of a variety of speeches, particularly the dream speech, where he says, I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character, and that little black boys and little black girls will join be able to join hands with little white boys and girls as sisters and brothers. In the past, we also have another set of words, and listen to this. The cause of freedom is not the cause of race or sect, a political party or class. It is the cause of humankind, the very birthright of humanity. Humankind or humankind. That is the cause of freedom. Both of these messages invite us to look at human rights. It's just the bottom line, human rights. And in part any actions that we may be uh, offer to social justice. The first message you may recognize is from Dr. Martin Luther King in the year 1963. The other quote comes earlier, in the early 1900s, late 1800s, early 1900s, by a woman named Anna Julia Haywood Cooper. The messages are similar, and that over decades, centuries, millenniums, etc., the cry of pain have not changed as humankind seeks hopeful and healthy existence. Sad, but true. So who is this woman, Anna Julia Hayward Cooper? A woman of color, who lived through the second half of the 19th century which was an era of the Civil War and Civil War slavery, and into the first half of the 20th century towards the civil rights movement of the 50s and the 60s. She would bridge the centuries as an educator, advocate, a scholar, an author, sociologist, speaker, black liberation Activist, one of the most prominent Afro-American scholars in United States history. She was born in Raleigh, North Carolina, in August of 1859, to an enslaved woman and a white man, presumably her mother's master. Anna Julia Cooper was an academically gifted child. She received a scholarship to attend St. Augustine Normal School and Collegiate Institute, a school founded by the Episcopal Church, to educate Afro-American teachers and their clergy. There she became or began her membership in the Episcopal Church. after forcing her way into a Greek class, designed for male theology students. Cooper Cooper later then married the instructor, George A.C. Cooper, the second Afro-American ordained to the Episcopal priesthood in North Carolina. Cooper then received degrees in mathematics from Albany College in Ohio, was made principal of the only Afro-American high school, better known as M Street School, in Washington, D.C. While there, she was denied reappointment, denied reappointment in 1906, because, because she refused to lower her educational standards. Throughout her career, she emphasized the importance of education To the future of American Afro-Americans and was critical of the lack of support they received from the church. Another subject, another time. She was an advocate for Afro-American women. She wrote and spoke widely on issues of race, gender. She took an active role in national and international organizations founded to advance Afro Americans. In 1925, Cooper became the fourth Afro American woman to complete a PhD granted from the Isamun, where she was 65 years old. She died at the age of 105 in 1964. A full life over and over again with messages for us all. Some of the side stories about her is that Cooper's political action began at the age of nine. Nine. So think of your family members who are nine right now. Um where she protested the preferential treatment given to men as candidates for the ministry, petitioned to take classes traditionally administered only, only to boys. In today's Proverbs reading, we have this line that says, Lay aside immaturity and live and walk in the way of insight. For Cooper, she would say that her vocation was the education of neglected people. Neglected people. Cooper saw education, and specifically higher education, as a means of black women's advancement. She believed that, quote, the intellectual development was self-reliance, and capacity for earning a livelihood which it gives, would supersede any need for the dependence on men, allowing women to extend their horizons, their horizons. and Now, remember, this is written at a time when women, culturally, no matter who you were, your horizons were pretty limited, okay? I mean, think about that. Also, she rejected her white supervisor's mandate to teach her students trades, trade subjects, and instead trained and prepared them for college. It's meant to be college education. She sent her students to prestigious universities and attained accreditation again at the M Street School. And she got that accreditation from Harvard. Harvard. Okay, she got that from Harvard. Again, this is a time frame, okay, time frame early 90s, late 1800s, early 1900s. But her success was received with hostility rather than celebration from a power structure that was not necessarily interested in the advancement of black youth. Sound familiar? Black Lives Matter? Sure. No difference. As a speaker for women's rights, she spoke at the 1893 Chicago World Fair. She says, I speak for colored women of the South because it is there that millions of Blacks in this country have watered the soil with their blood and tears. It is there, too, that colored women of America has made her characteristic history. There, her destiny is evolving. Again, 1893. Many of her writings, her essays, can be found in a book that she wrote in 1892, I believe. It's called The Voice of the South. Uh, Some excerpts of what I'm saying here are from a series of biographies. Not a lot of detail, but you can Google her and you'll find a lot. If, If Cooper is a voice for us today, in this new year, Of 2019. As we leave this cathedral today, as I dismiss you, throw you out the door into the world, what will we do with Anna Julia Cooper's voice? What will we do with it? What are the actions? What are the voices and words that we will say if we take our stand in the solidarity of humanity? and the oneness of life. These are her words. We take our stand on the solidarity of humanity and the oneness of life. In today's gospel, Jesus rolled up the scroll, sat down, began to say, Today the scripture has been filled in your hearing. In your hearing. Now we go from voice to hearing. Anna Julia Cooper says, one needs occasionally to stand aside from the hum and rush of human interest and passions to hear the voices of God. One needs occasionally to stand aside from the hum and rush of human interests and passions to hear the voice or voices of God. As Jesus said, the scripture has been filled in your hearing. Hearing God, ascending prayers to God, hearing the voices, hearing those cries of humanity, As we walk outside, if you hear them, you will hear Cooper's voice. You will know how to respond, whether it's in a protest march, mentoring the next generation through education, writing and or addressing messages to your congressperson. There are actions for us all, no matter who we are or simply, or simply, pray without ceasing. Our humanity, everyone here, the humanity outside these doors, known or unknown, have been blessed by the life, the teachings, the advocacy of Anna Julia Cooper. So I invite you, my friends, to let her voice resonate in our lives and your lives, as we make our voices active to break down the walls, to unite in bonds of love, and to work through our struggle and confusion to accomplish God's purposes on earth.